This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to On the Bench. I'm your host for today's episode, Brendan Sinone, joined by Chris Nee and Zach Wallstein. Josh Newberg is somewhere in skiing in the Alps right now, so he'll join us. Uh, he'll be back on the bench next week. But for now, it's the three of us. And fellas, it was a busy weekend. Zach, how did you enjoy your time on the bench? Can't find the unmute button. Um, Good start. Man. Yeah, a uh, rocky start, but it was a, it was a pretty successful weekend. I I enjoyed myself being back out there. Um, I thought I thought Saturday was pretty fun from a coverage standpoint. Although, literally the moment Chris left to go to spring practice, there might have been twenty prospects like rolling in. Like there was a bus of twenty four kids that rolled in, and then about fifteen other kids that rolled in within like fifteen minutes. So um, it was hectic, but it was it was fun to cover. I have impeccable timing. That was kind of the case for Chris all weekend. When he thought something was slow, he would he would kind of drift away from the bench, and then the bench would pull you back in. Um, and that just has a way of doing that. So this was a very active weekend for us at Knowles 24-7. It was a huge recruiting weekend, well-documented going into it for Florida State. It led to a commitment. A lot of uh, a lot of important visitors were here. We're going to recap all of that today. You can also check out all the work on Knowles247.com. It's frankly it'd probably be like a two-hour podcast. We were going to talk about every single recruit that Chris and and Zach uh, chatted up with this week. Uh, plus, there was a start of spring practice, which we'll get into briefly here. But I want to kind of wait until we, Chris and I see a little bit more practice, maybe see them with pads on. So maybe something like later this week, like Thursday, uh, to kind of really dive deep into spring practice. But we will give our initial takeaways for the first day of spring. And also baseball, basketball. It was just it was a busy weekend. So let's get into it, fellas. Chris, uh, just your general takeaway of the first spring practice. We'll spend maybe five minutes on this topic to begin with. And again, we'll, we'll do that a little bit later in the week. But what did you think from, from seeing day one? A lot more capable bodies, uh, a lot more like what a football team is supposed to look like, still places where they need to get better in that regard. Um, and the biggest positive I took away is that you know who the person is at some positions while you're obviously trying to figure out some others. When we were at tour of duty i thought generally from top to bottom the roster like it just looked more like what you would want from a power five program and because it was such like a a slow trickle from like 2016 is just kind of getting progressively less of what you would want in a program each year uh it was tough to kind of see that that fall off uh in real time but now that you're kind of see it uh, go in the other direction it's a little bit more obvious like okay that the offensive line has five, six guys that you want to at least look like uh, offensive linemen at the Power 5 level. Wide receiver room, and then we saw this in spring practice, just seems a lot more balanced with different type of bodies. So there's position groups where it's starting to to look the right way. So I'm, I'm in agreement with you, Chris. I think that was the big takeaway for me as well. Uh, general thoughts on maybe some of the newcomers, guys who kind of impressed, turned your head a little bit on Saturday? 
guys that impressed me, Johnny Wilson had an excellent catch. I believe it was actually on an A.J. Duffy throw, so there's two for one on that one. Uh, a guy who disappointed me, that's a newcomer. I didn't think Greedy Vance had a very good day at all. Um, those are the ones I immediately – oh, A.Z. Thomas. I thought A.Z. Thomas had the best day of maybe anybody on the entire field, regardless of class. He, the pick was excellent. The coverage was very good. He looks apart entirely. The athleticism matches up regardless of what type of wide receiver or other offensive skill position player he went against. Chris, break down the the Azari Thomas interception in, in the scenario if you can for the listeners. We wrote about it a little bit, but I, but I thought it was an important play, and I'll I'll share why in a bit. But if you can break down the play for people at home to kind of get an idea of, of what exactly he did to the right side on the seam, a little bit of a thrown up fifty fifty ball, uh, competed for in the air, bobbled, uh, stayed with it, recovered it, caught it. Turned, immediately looked for the house and made a house call. And the way the team responded to it, first off, the athleticism, the coordination that you want to see in a blue chip recruit, it was all there. Uh, the way the team responded, the defense right away, yeah, everyone went and celebrated with them was was cool. But what stuck out to me, Chris, after I don't know if you observed this as well, is guys in general on both sides of the ball that kind of like put a little bit of life, a little competition, a little fire into uh into that portion of of the the practice i think we saw fabian love it heat up and and make a play in the backfield we saw the offense respond and make some nice catches downfield it was just cool to kind of see that competitive streak of guys just outright making plays after one one person in this case a freshman kind of got it going yeah culture culturally just it that's positive little baby steps that you want to see if you're gonna be optimistic if you think Mike Norvell is going to be the guy who gets this completely turned around it's moving in the right direction whether you can get it fully turned around we'll see those are the kind of things you want to see uh, anything else on spring Chris before we transition to to you and Zach's time on the no, bench the the big bodies weren't going real hard against one another so there wasn't a whole lot to take away from there most noticeable thing there was mostly healthy and a lot of people available uh, which was an issue at many times last year especially on the offensive line um, you know, in the receiver group, I, I want to see a lot more from those guys, but it's nice to see a lot of different types of guys there. It's, it's a much different looking position than it was just, you know, four months ago. The, the way I describe the wide receiver position, and maybe this is kind of a microcosm for the team in general, as they have upwards of 100 players. I think it's closer to 110 players currently on the roster this spring. Mark Norvell said between 90, 95% of what he expects of 2020 uh, fall roster to be is already here on campus and, and participating this spring for the wide receivers and the different body types they added via the transfer portal there in addition to someone like Joshua Burrell who's back and, and healthy and made a handful of really nice splash plays uh, Malik McClain looks like he's elevating his game the biggest difference is Keyshawn Helton I thought had a nice day he had a couple nice catches over the middle of the field uh, got free once in a one-on-one and uh, just showed up some nice speed and acceleration Quickness. He had those days periodically last year and would often be the best wide receiver of the day. And we saw kind of what happened during the season when Keyshawn Helton is your number one. Uh, your passing game isn't going to be super effective. And same for Pokey. Pokey had a great catch down the sideline closest to the baseball stadium where we're watching from. But he also had a drop in that practice. That kind of mm-hmm. paints a clear picture of who and what Pokey Wilson's been for this year. Agreed. That has kind of been Pokey's bill in his consistency. But for those two guys to both have some nice splash plays, they would be in the upper echelon of the wide receiver group for a practice perspective last year. If they had similar days as they had on Saturday to last year. Uh, in this case, I thought maybe like Keyshawn Helton was third to fifth best wide receiver on the day. Pokey's probably about six or so on that list. Like 
there's just more depth, more bodies, more options, and more room for potential uh, with that group now. Uh, so that's encouraging. That's what you want to see. Invest scholarships in that position group. Early, early, early returns are, are positive. So that, I think that's going to be the microcosm of this season is you have more depth, more options. Uh, gives you more margin for error, more room for improvement, and, and more upside. So, all right, fellas, let's get to the the, the bench musings. Um, Zach, let's start off with a four-star defensive tackle commits to Florida State. That's really the big news of the recruiting weekend. It, it sounds like Keith Sampson Jr. commits to the Knowles. Uh, please uh, inform us on, on what went into that decision and the takeaway of, of that commitment. Yeah, so, I mean, this is – it was a surprise to us, like to be candid about it. Um, we weren't expecting Keith Sampson to commit. Um, most of the time when a kid's going to come and, and visit campus and commit on campus, we have a good idea of that's going on. Um, but I think he even surprised Mike Norvell. I mean, he, t- he told us that. He said uh, when he committed to Mike Norvell, Mike Norvell nearly threw him out of his chair uh, in his office. So, yeah, I mean, it's a huge commitment. Florida State lands him over other options uh, in his top five, like Clemson, NC State, uh, South Carolina, and a few others. Um, so it was a big deal. He's a four-star guy, top 247 talent. Um, 6'3", I don't know his weight, um, but he... 285 is what he's listed at. Okay. So, yeah, 6'3", 285, trench man. Um, he's got a great relationship with Odell Hagens, and I think that was kind of the, the winning factor here. Odell was truthful with him throughout the entire recruiting process. Um, He left FSU out of his initial top five that he released. I think it was like in January. Um, Odell called him up. He explained this to us. Odell called him up and basically was, you know, asking him important questions about his recruitment. And and after that conversation, Keith put FSU in his top five and immediately scheduled that visit for March 5th. And as we now know, that visit was the visit he committed on. So, um, good, great job by Odell Higgins. Um, I think he, you know, he, along with the rest of the staff have really built out the defensive line board, uh, this class. I think it's, um, in my opinion, it's way more realistic than the cl- the, the board they had last cycle, um, with guys like Duran Reed and, and others that we'll talk about later, but yeah, huge commitment from Keith Sampson on Saturday. Yeah. He, uh, in the comments, he, he spoke to Brian Doan immediately after his commitment. Brian is one of our national guys. And in that conversation, he said, Coach Odell, the way he made me feel about the whole recruiting process, and then Coach Norvell put the topping on the cake. He added that practice, watching practice, namely watching Coach Odell, Odell Higgins work with the defensive tackles, kind of confirmed it all for him, that he just kind of knew it was a place for him. He said when we spoke to him as he was exiting that with his top five, every time he went to a campus, he kind of felt like there was a 50-50 chance this might be the place he might commit. And that's kind of how he approaches it. Essentially, that those are those five are the five that I can all see myself at. But he said when he got to FSU, he knew it was a place for him, and that it just drove it home. The people, the practice, his relationship with coaching staff, his belief in what he can be, their need at that position next year, all of it had a lot of family with him. I don't feel like it was a rash decision in the sense of he's going to get home, conversations going to be had, and things change. I don't think that's the case. He said that he's not planning to take other visits. We'll see if that holds true, obviously, as we move forward in this recruiting process. But, uh, you know, very talented kid, sharp kid, enjoyable to talk to. Uh, you know, FSU did a really, really good job. As Zach referenced, Odell got on the horn the minute they weren't in the top five. They changed the narrative with the kid. Mike Norvell and Odell went up to see him as soon as they could in the sense of going for an evaluation visit during the period where it was open. I think that made its mark, too. 
You know, FSU did a really, really good job here of understanding they wanted a kid and then going and getting him. So you guys have context on his ranking nationally. You mentioned he's a four-star, 92 grade for 24-7 sports, 92 grade in the 24-7 sports composite. Uh, he is 130th nationally for 24-7 sports overall as a recruiting or as a recruit in the 2023 class and 201st overall nationally in the 24-7 sports composite. So, yeah, it's big time. It's a, it's a top 200 quality player. Uh, we're higher on him as, as a network than others, but that that's a biggie for Florida State, especially at a position that is going to be really important in this recruiting cycle to kind of replenish the depth with Robert Cooper and Fabian Lovett probably in their, in their final year at Florida State. Uh, sticking on the defensive line, we're going to focus a lot on the trenches here, the first part of the recruiting talk, fellas. But uh, let, let's talk a little bit about five-star defensive lineman Vic Burley, just an amazing name for a defensive lineman. Uh, he said, quote-unquote about FSU, they have a chance, real good chance for him. So uh, what went into the visit with Vic Burley? What kind of impression did Florida State make on him, other than it being uh, clear that FSU has a chance at him? This is another one where Odell Higgins has done a phenomenal job of building a relationship now, that being noted, I think FSU is going to have to overcome some big boys here. I think Georgia Clemson are kind of the two at the top here that are the biggest concern. But FSU has positioned themselves where if this kid's going to consider a few more than those, they're definitely in that mix. And if something goes whatever direction with those two, they're kind of the next man up is the way I view it. I'll let Zach chime in because he actually did the exit interview with Vic. Yeah, cool thing from the exit interview with him Um most of the recruits, when they arrived on campus, it was right around the start of spring practice, around 10 a.m., and they just headed over there and, and watched the uh, the practice themselves. Vic Burley had a different plan. He wanted to come to Florida State and learn more about the academic side of things. Um, so he, uh, you know, the FSU staff catered to him. Um, he got a full presentation of the academic support. Um, he wants to major in kinesiology, so... He got the rundown on that, and he said all the questions he had regarding, you know, academics at Florida State were answered, and that was a huge portion of the visit for him on Saturday. Okay, unless we, there's anything else we want to, to add on Mr. Burley, another defense alignment that we want to focus on, and, and I'll throw this to Zach because he actually dropped his ball the other day for him, and that's four-star defensive tackle Wilkie Denaud uh, from Fort Pierce area plays at John Carroll, which is a private school in Fort Pierce. So, Zach, uh, what prompted you to to drop your ball with a Josh Newberg grade of a minimum of eight? Yeah, I mean, we spoke to Wilkie as he exited on Saturday, and that was actually the second day of his visit. Um, and he, I mean, he basically hinted at something happening um, in the near future. Uh, he said his original plan was to wait, take all of his official visits, and then decide in a school after that. But then uh, during that same interview, he was like, but after this visit and just the way I'm feeling, I think something may happen soon. So, you know, at, I think it was like 15 minutes after that interview, I dropped the crystal ball with the high, high confidence score. Um, and I think FSU sits in the best spot right now for him. I think UF's also involved, but um, they've done a great job with him ever since they offered I mean, they, they've been recruiting him before offering, but they offered in January, I believe. And uh, ever since then, they've been trending in that recruitment. This weekend marked the first time I got a chance to see that young man. He, he looks superb. Uh, he's tall, he's lean, he's put together, lanky. Uh, yeah, the film's good, but the body, the measurements, the eye test, it was, it was a solid A. Call him lengthy to nod instead of Wilkie to nod. 
You know how I know Chris likes Sir Crew? Because if he calls him a young man, it means he's, he's upped a level of respect in Chris's in Chris's mind. I'm damn near 40, so they're half my age at this point, <laughs> so I have to. Uh, let's stick with the defensive line. Jordan Hall talked about the, the bevy of crystal balls that went. Oh, wait, real quick. who has? We have two crystal balls in for Wilkie to nod. One is... Zach, is the other one you, Chris, or is that a Berg or a Bud? Who else? No, I've I've taken a sabbatical from the crystal ball. It's been glorious. Um, I don't know how long it will last. I told Zach it may last forever, but we all know that's BS. Um, But no, it's not me. I I don't know if it's Josh or it's Will Fong. I'm not sure. I think Josh, because Josh entered it before the the visit happened. Okay, let me. Yes, that is correct. He did a day before. Oh, Zach, couldn't beat Berg to the punch there. It's a toughie. Uh, all right, four-star defensive lineman Jordan Hall. Speaking of crystal balls, uh, there there have been a bunch that have gone in for him the other day, uh, and he actually talked about that on the visit. Uh, I, I forget which one of you guys spoke to, to Jordan me. Hall. It was you, Chris. All right, go it's, ahead. It's so, a Jacksonville kid. You know me. I, if their name is Bubba or they're from Jacksonville, I'm probably going to chase uh, after him. So the Chris hierarchy of recruits is young man, and if it's a young man from Jacksonville, that puts him up even higher on the hierarchy. I, I, we're yes, just clarifying. You represent here. the 904, my friend. Mm, okay. Um, Jordan Hall, yes, he brought up that there was a crystal ball for him. He said multiple recruiting services immediately reached out to him after crystal ball was entered and asked if he was committing to FSU. He is not there at this point in the process. FSU does stand out to him. He doesn't want to name a list. He doesn't want to name a favorite. He's not trying to get caught in the you know game of words. But FSU has clearly made their mark with him. He likes him a great deal. They were his first offer. John Papuchas did a good job recruiting the area. Odell Higgins has been handed the recruitment as a position player. He's taken the reins and run with it. FSU's done an excellent job with him. His mom got to come on a visit this time. That was a big deal to him. He liked what he saw at practice. He's just a young man that he, he's football smart is how I kind of termed it after we spoke to him. He was he was discussing his ability to play multiple positions on the D-line, but why he likes the three-tech, the ability to shade, play on shoulders, get one-on-ones, things of that sort. Just kind of stood out to me that he was able to kind of put that out there and speak on it. You know, a lot of kids know they can play football. He understands what he can do really well when he's playing football. I think that's significant and it matters. I believe he mentioned he intends to be back for the spring game, if I recall correctly. Um, he went as far as saying FSU is really a top score on my list, a priority for me with a couple other schools. So they're in a good spot. They've done an excellent job. I think South Carolina and Georgia are two others that he likes a lot. I believe he has also seen a lot of both of those. He wants to see several others. I believe Alabama's possible coming up visit, Miami, Oklahoma, Old Miss, or some of the other ones he mentioned. So we've talked about four defensive linemen so far. Zach, you hinted at the defensive line board a few minutes ago. You like the way it's coming together. I mean, this weekend seems extremely promising. Uh, in general, the defensive linemen they got on campus this weekend, if there's anyone else that I'm missing, please feel free to add. Like, who, I guess, what what is specifically wow. impressing you about about the board? Big bodies that look the part that have skill who are variety of things. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I think uh, I, I listening to, to Chris talk about Jordan Hall, another trend that I, that I'm seeing um, Jordan Hall's first offer was from Florida state four star defensive lineman, Daron Reed. His first offer is from Florida state. FSU is doing a great job of evaluating these guys early I mean, this is the class that they've had the longest, you know, time with, to the, you know, out of, you know, obviously they've had these recruiting cycles in the past, but, um, you know, the COVID year prevented them from getting out, but, you know, they're trusting their evaluations and it's paying off now. Um, you know, I think Darren Reed has a lot more interest in Florida State because they were first to offer, um, you know, obviously 
with Jordan Hall, they're going up against, you know, some top schools. And I think because they were, they were early in on those recruitments that, you know, they're going to reap the benefits in some way or another. Yeah. Keldrick Falk's an D lineman. We haven't even mentioned FSU's in his top three talented kid from Alabama. Uh, some of the support staff's actually done a phenomenal job with him while the regular staff's also doing their job. It's just a really good job. Deron Reed loves FSU. Ryan Bartos done a phenomenal job with him. He was, FSU was first to offer him. Bartos kind of the bridge that connects FSU and him. Odell Higgins has taken what Bartos set up and run with it, done a very good job. I think we're seeing the fruits of the labors of a lot of people and also organization of working together, showing a lot of positives at certain positions. And I think D-line, both ends and tackles, is a spot where we can point to that and say, yes, it's happening in real time. Let's stick with the trenches, but go to the other side of the ball. Four-star offensive lineman from Orange Park, which is in the Jacksonville area, Roderick Kearney, said that FSU leads for him currently. Chris, I'm assuming you spoke to him if we're keeping up with the Jacksonville, uh, the Jacksonville trend. I didn't because I what? think that one. I think that one happened. Uh, I feel like that was two dudes walking through the door at the same time. I think I might have spoken to uh, Tommy Kinsler, big man from Ocala, who I've not yet written the update, but. Tommy and me have a little bit of connection. Ocala is, you know, it's good enough. Um, so <laughs> it's Zach, not, actually it's not quite Jacksonville. <laughs> no, go ahead, Zach. You talked to Kearney, so chat on that one. Yeah. Um, Florida State sits in a great spot with him. I believe he's, he was one of the guys that said that FSU still is number one school. Um, I mean, it's just it just comes down to Alex Atkins. Alex Atkins is like the defensive line board right now. The offensive line board is um, tremendous. I think. You know, there's a couple of guys at the top that they really sit in a good spot with, including Roderick Kearney. He projects as a guard for them, but, you know, he talked he talked at length about, you know, watching Atkins coach his guys in spring practice. And I think that uh, that, you know, that experience is something that he came away with the visit uh, feeling great about. Um, he spoke to Mike Norvell again. That conversation went great like usual. And I think he plans to be back uh, either later this spring or for the spring game, uh, later in March or for the spring game. Uh, another offensive lineman that Zach just caught up with, I think today it's not even on Knowles 24-7 yet, it's Lucas Simmons from the Clearwater area. He's actually, uh, he, he's not American, right? Where's he from? Sweden. Sweden. Dad, he's part American. His dad's American. Okay. His dad was over here and played in NFL Europe, and that's how he ended up over there. That's the tie. Oh, uh, okay. Okay. So American then. Lucas Simmons, uh, Zach had an interview with. Uh, Lucas is someone who really popped on the radar for Florida State last year at the, uh, I was going to say the big man camp. It wasn't the big man camp. It was the uh, the mega camp, excuse me, the big mega camp. Uh, it was some of that, like, everyone gravitated. I remember he got up in a drill, and all of a sudden there was, like, 30 coaches around him all wanted to see him move. So, uh, Zach, what what went on with the Lucas interview, and I guess what did he get from the visit this week? Yeah, I mean, he, he he spoke about his relationship with Alex Atkins, like most of these offensive linemen do, um, how comfortable he is with him, how they can just talk normally. Um, he, he genuinely enjoys just talking to Alex Atkins. And I think we can all agree being around him. Um, he's just a, a very a guy you can be very comfortable around. And that that's kind of what he harped on in the interview. Um, I think at the top for Simmons, it's FSU and USC. Um, I think he's going to go see USC later this month. Uh, I think UF's going to get him on campus and a few other schools. He plans to be back at FSU probably for the spring game. And then he'll be, he knows for sure he's taking an official to FSU. And that's going to be an important official because 
His parents are currently living in Sweden. Um, so they're going to, they're going to, that'll be the first visit where they'll, they'll join him um, at FSU. And, and he, he talked about how important that was for him and finally coming down to that decision. So they're Americans living in Sweden. The dad is. I think mom is from over there. I think it's kind of like Anthony Polite situation. Oh, okay. I mean, he's he's sound Swedish. <laughs> Thank yeah. you, Zach. His dad is, uh, I think it's Abel Simmons, I want to say. He played at OU, okay. I don't know, late 80s, early 90s, somewhere in that ballpark. Speaking of Anthony Polite, I was covering hoops this weekend. FSU's yeah. 1-0 and when I cover hoops. Just it's a new folks. calling. That was actually fun. That was enjoyable. All right. So who else on the office line board that showed up this weekend that was a, a big deal? Was there someone named uh, Bubba? Yeah, Bubba Jeffries. Uh, right. I, I literally chased down a man named Bubba because, hey, I should just interview a man named Bubba. I mean, you Bubba should be able to catch up. If, wait, if, if you're going to catch up to someone, their name's going to be Bubba. Like, Bubba shouldn't be outrunning anyone. He wasn't outrunning me. He was just going one way while I was on the far distant other side of the Bowden statue. And I, was, I yelled across yeah. the statue, I will get Bubba, which I think yeah. his mother very much enjoyed. I was like, <laughs> I, I was the one who like was like, Bubba, wait, because he was like walking away. I didn't want to miss out on Bubba. And then Chris comes out of nowhere. He's like, I'm going to get him. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and the mom, was, the mom started laughing. It was great. <laughs> There's a Bubba, there's a, a Forrest Gump reference uh, to be had here. I just I, I haven't watched that movie in a while. Kind of sucks. Overrated movie. Oh, 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 oh. Slow down with the hot takes over there, buddy. All right. Go on. Um, Bubba's a talented kid from Alcoa, Tennessee. Very good football program over there. He's got an FSU's liked a while. He slid a little bit in the rankings. He actually referenced that. I think Rivals is one of the ones that slid him down a little bit, which impacted his composite. Uh, he's you know 54 for us at the position, 42 in the composite. So I guess ESPN still has him high potentially. Um, but big boy, 6'5", about 300 pounds put together. He likes Alex Atkins a great deal. He relates to him. He believes in him. He's been here a couple times and he wants to keep coming back. I think that's pretty significant. He mentioned some others. I know Cincinnati was mentioned, pointed out that they're most recently a playoff team. Uh, some others, but it didn't feel like he was adamant about anybody else being sort of the school that's running second to FSU right now, but he still wants to see more, learn more, and hopefully utilize the spring to do so. But he is high on FSU. They've done a good job. They've positioned themselves well. It's a weird feeling where we're at with offensive line recruiting today compared to four or five years ago, where it used to be we have no clue who plan Bs are and we don't really like plan As to now. I don't know if Bubba is a plan A or plan B kid. I don't want to define that. I don't know their board well enough at this moment, but he could be either, and he's very good, and they've got plenty of those types. Tommy Kinsler is a kid. He's probably a plan B type. Peyton Kirkland, another kid who came in on Sunday, offensive lineman from Orlando. He's certainly not a plan A type for him, but he's still plenty talented. It's just amazing how good Alex Atkins has done at uh, populating that board and building good relationships and having good returns on it. And another kid that kind of speaks to that is Kelton Smith. Deron Reed's teammate there at Carver who came in with his mom on her birthday and his visit actually more bled into Sunday than Saturday. Zach caught up with him. So I'll hand the baton off there. Yeah. I mean, Kelton Smith is a huge target for them along the offensive line. Um, he's another guard prospect that they like. Um, like Chris said, he can't, he wasn't there for the spring practice. He arrived at FSU on Saturday afternoon and then he returned to campus uh, Sunday morning. To, I think it was to meet with Mike Norvell. Um, he had high, high reviews, uh, said Florida State, I believe, is his top school. 
Um, sorry, all the all these interviews are like mixed in together. Yeah, no, he, he said FSU's number one for him, I believe. Yeah, we, yeah you threw that to Josh to write up, uh, but yeah, that that's correct. Yeah, so yeah, Kelvin Smith came away impressed. Um, he's got a busy schedule ahead with visits. I think Alabama, Georgia, um, and maybe like Tennessee, and then he plans to be back for the spring game. So um, trending good there, but you got to you know weather the storm with these upcoming visits. All right, let's stick on the offensive side of the ball. A quarterback that Chris Parson was around. We all good there? We good there, fellas? We good. All's well? All right. All right. Anything Anything noteworthy uh, on, on Chris checking out uh, FSU? Yeah, I mean, he was just uh, – we, we posted a video on our YouTube page. Um, you guys can check that out. There's also a story that links to it on all 24-7. He speaks for like 12 minutes about, you know, the visit, getting to watch Tony Tokar's uh, kind of work with the quarterback room. Um, he, he was around a bunch and he was also recruiting a, a lot of guys on campus like Brandon Ennis and Santa Fleming, um, some of the O-linemen. Um, but yeah, we're going to talk about those guys, Brendan, don't worry. I'm not trying to, it was, it's such a good transition. That's who we're going to yeah. talk about next. You can go right into it if you'd like. Yeah. So Brandon Ennis, five-star wide receiver visits Florida state for the first time since the spring game of last year. Um, and I think, you know, I, I still kind of have the same opinion of where FSU sits in this one. They're, they're on the outside looking in. Just um, win, baby. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, to land a five-star prospect like Brandon Innes, Florida State has to go out and win a bunch of games, um, more games than they've been winning in the past couple of years. So, you know, as much, you know, Brandon Innes had good things to say, like all these prospects did after visiting. He had a good time in Tallahassee, but – Florida State's not going to land them unless they go out and have a winning record at the very least. Yeah, I think USC and Ohio State are probably the two to keep a closest eye on right now. The Lincoln-Riley connection at USC is big for him. We'll see if a kid from South Florida wants to go to USC, if it makes sense. I think there's some people that don't believe that's what he should do. And Ohio State obviously has done a phenomenal job at wide receiver position. I threw out Alabama and talking to somebody that's familiar with Brandon to some degree. They didn't think that Bama would be one that's a strong contender for him, but we'll see. Bama never Bama never backs off of a kid that they think is an elite wide receiver. I think most people consensus-wise think Brandon is, is an elite wide receiver. Santana Fleming is the other wide receiver that, that Zach mentioned and someone that I don't want to say imminent, but it just feels like FSU has been in play, if not leading for him for a while, uh, still uncommitted right now at this time. Any indication is that getting closer for Florida State fellows? I, from my, you know, talk with him on Saturday, it didn't seem like it. Um, he still intends to wait, which you know, I don't know how I feel about that. I feel like um, he should probably like commit to a school uh, in the near future. I'm not trying to speak for the recruiter, tell him what to do, um, but I think you know, Florida State and like a lot of these other schools have you know, big receiver boards. Uh, the state of Florida is absolutely loaded with wide receivers in the, in the 2023 cycle. And Santana Fleming stacks up pretty well against against a lot of those guys. But there's definitely guys that are higher ranked and higher on these boards. Um, so I think um, I wouldn't be surprised if he, if he sped up his timeline, but it has been a tradition at American Heritage to wait until um, signing day to announce, um, you know, to build up the suspense. We saw that even this last cycle um, with, you know, Marvin Jones Jr. and those other guys. So I think I could see it, him waiting, but, um, you know, I think the, the best move for him would probably to be jump into class uh, early before spots get taken up. You know, Zach, waiting is the hardest part. 
Um, some other wide receivers worth mentioning. Hakeem Williams, he had a basketball game on Saturday, was busy winning a state title, came to FSU on Sunday, hung out, had a really good time. On the barometer of how much does FSU want him, uh, yeah, it's, it's pegging at the top. They want him a hell of a lot. Mike Norvell walked all the way down, met him at his car, got him out of the car, walked the whole group up. They walk in the building, the entire staff's down there, bringing the energy, getting it going, firing off on the visit. They Nice little touch they added in there. They brought basketball jerseys over from FSU basketball for him to do the photo shoot in. So he did both sports because obviously it matters to him. I don't know if he's a two-sport guy in college, but it's good, especially so fresh off of that state championship, to kind of drive home that feeling of, yeah, we care about the other things you do beyond just being a good wide receiver, good football player. He's buddies with Omar Graham Jr., and by buddies, I mean they're basically brothers. Omar came over. They hooked up. They enjoyed each other's time together. You know, it's always good to see a peer-to-peer recruiting going on. Really, really big factor there. Um, I'll hand off Hakeem to uh, Zach here in a second. Just going to mention a couple other receivers so we don't forget him. All day Dre was back in, committed to FSU, still firm there. I chatted with him. We'll have that story in the coming days. Darren Warns, a.k.a. Goldie from Sanford Seminole, who was very good at seven on last year when Seminole won seven on at FSU. Um, he came in, had a good time. I spoke to him afterwards. He didn't seem like a kid that's in any kind of rush. It seemed like a visit to just kind of check it out, get a feel for it, build a relationship, hang out with Coach Dugan some. Uh, he said he enjoyed watching Dugan sweat when he was practicing. Uh, I forget the exact quote, but I, I don't think Dugan's would love his uh, comment about his hairline these days. Uh, but not Goldie. Goldie was kind of a, a just free loving kid. But uh, Hakeem was a big fish at that position after Fleming and Ennis. Yeah, Hakeem's a big deal for them. Um, I mean, he's a huge priority, like Chris said. I think you know the thing to note, like that. That was a cool moment when he got to. Uh, see Omar Graham, his former teammate at Sternahan, out in front of the Moore Center at FSU. Um, they kind of took photos right there. But in the interview, he, he talked about that. He said, you know, having Omar on the team helps them a lot because he can call him and see what it's like out here and if it's a good fit for him. So, you know, having that source, uh, you know, but kind of behind the scenes on Florida State's roster uh, that he can hit up any time to kind of get a feeling for what the program is like under Mike Norvell and the, the rest of the staff is helpful or f- helpful for Florida state and Omar Graham's a, a really nice kid. And I think uh, he's a great ambassador for your program. If you're trying to, you know, sell your program to recruits. So I think um, that certainly helps. And um, I think probably Miami's the biggest threat right now for Hakeem Williams. He's visited there countless times over the past year, um, but FSU keeps getting him on campus. So that's a pretty good sign. Let's see. I'm trying to look at who else we want to talk about. Oh, uh, real quick, Zach, how about Jeremiah Anglin? You put in a junior. Uh, you put in a crystal ball for him. He's Derwin James' cousin uh, from the Polk County area. He's in Lake Wales. Shout out Lake Wales. Buddy lives there. Uh, yeah, so he, he visited. You put in a crystal ball. What's up with, with Jeremiah? Do you feel like anything's imminent there? I don't feel like anything is imminent, but that could change, obviously, um, You know, depending on conversations that happen following this visit. But I spoke to him. I think it was we had the exclusive on that because he kind of snuck out um, somehow, even though he had literally he, – he rolled in with 10 family members um, that were all decked out in Florida State gear. He was in this, you know, really extravagant fit. Um, but he, he had a good time. The rest of his family had a great time. Um, I think FSU still sits number one. He didn't come out – you know, in the interview he had in January, he kind of – 
came out right out and said that FSU was number one for him. But um, when I spoke to him uh, via text the other day, he, he kind of said everything was even. His recruitment recruitment was 100% open. Um, you know, I could see him committing to Florida State. I don't know uh, when, but I, that's why I entered the crystal ball. I think uh, that visit kind of um, led me to do that. Just, you know, even with the, the just them just arriving on campus, all decked out in Florida State gear, like every single family member had some kind of FSU apparel on. And I think he connected well with, uh, Marcus Woodson, Odell Hagens, who recruits his area, and the rest of the staff on this trip. Anything else or any other players that we should be mentioning? There's a ton. You guys check it all, like I said earlier, on Knowles247.com. We're still writing stories. I don't want to give it all away. I want our VIP subscribers to get some of this juice as well. But, Chris, anyone else that you would care to mention before we uh, we move topics? I realized we forgot Ruben Bain on the defensive line because not, I've not written it yet. Uh, connected at the hip with Randy Shannon, South Florida kid. He's going to be a tough pull from Miami because there's a lot of family ties there. But he's a dude that Randy Shannon's all in on, should be. He's one of the best players in the entire state. Super productive high school player. He had a good time. Uh, he actually flew in, flew out. So he uh, he had like a very long, lengthy day. Got a great deal of personal attention. Uh, defensive backs, there were a ton. Uh Damon Fagan, Damari Brown's a couple that come to mind. We've written about them. You can go read them. Both South Florida DBs that I know FSU likes. Uh, yesterday, when we're all – we were so close. It was so close to being done. Me and Zach were ready to pop the champagne, go home and relax. And then Tampa shows up. So the Tampa group was uh, Bryson Rogers, really talented wide receiver. Dijon Johnson, a.k.a. D.D. Johnson, really talented DB that Adam Fuller loves. And then uh, – the athlete who they offered, whose name is going to escape me, even though I'm Eugene, a huge supporter. Eugene Wilson. Thank you, Eugene Wilson. So Eugene Wilson took names at Miami. I just whoever wanted to go against him, he was going to make him look foolish, and he did it. His testing numbers are great. His track numbers are great. Awesome athlete, slot receiver, whatever act you want him to be on offense could be a gadget guy. I think FSU could use him in a lot of ways. Super talented dude. We didn't catch up with him when he left because uh, we were talking to the other two I mentioned in that Tampa group. He kind of darted by, but he got offered later in the day. Excellent to see FSU offer him. Uh, I talked to D.D. Johnson. Adam Fuller has done a really good job there. This was his fourth visit to FSU. He intends to get back for the spring game. If you keep coming to campus that much, it means something. Now, he was also at OU and Alabama in recent days, so it's not like it's a slam dunk for FSU. There's competition there. And then Bryson Rogers is a wide receiver that actually came in in January, got a very personalized visit, came back. And the Tampa kids were only here about 90 minutes yesterday. But uh, Bryson got back on campus. They were happy to see him, and Zach caught up with him. So I'll let him share that. Yeah, I mean, it was just a brief visit, but they got to meet with Mike Norvell, take some photo shoots. Um, I think Bryson is pretty high up there on the receiver board. Um, He visited Bama before, and he liked that visit. I think FSU is going to have to battle, but they sit pretty well with him. Um, Ron Dugans has developed a pretty good relationship with him and his family. Um, So I think... Right now, FSU sits in a good spot. I don't know, like, the pecking order for him, uh, but he's going to take a bunch more visits this spring and then kind of narrow things down. In both of your estimation, I'll start off with you, Chris. Uh, what was the the biggest, the most significant, the most noteworthy development, recruiting-wise, of the weekend? I mean, that that's Keith Sampson. Uh, yeah. Because it wasn't one of those where you knew it was a shoe and when he walked through the door. The, the visit solidified the ability for FSU to secure him. I think the other thing is it's always good to see it kind of come together. They, they made a lot of effort to get a lot of top-tier kids on campus, especially 23 targets 
for this day. The weather was spectacular. The practice was good. I thought the energy of practice was good. I thought the rhythm of practice was good. I thought the intensity was good. I think all those things translate to recruits. And it just it went well, it went smooth, and they got a lot of really good players through that door. And a lot of those guys actually get along pretty well. Getting like the South Florida Express group up here together, a lot of those guys are long shot, long shot slash pipe dreams for FSU. But Santana Fleming is not, and that helps when you're dealing with other guys like an Ennis or a Fagan, for example, who he is friends with because of the attachment with that team. I think that matters. I think that Florida State did a great job with everyone they got on campus. Um, I think the biggest development was definitely Keith Sampson. I agree with Chris on that. Um, if he was a guy that was expected to commit, you know, maybe that's not as big of a deal, but he's a really talented prospect who FSU beat out pretty big schools for, you know, Clemson was hosting that kid, sending him graphics. They were actively recruiting him. So I think it's a pretty big deal. He's from up in, uh, you know, Clemson's backyard, right, right over there in North Carolina. I think, um, Florida State did a great job with him. And I think overall the weekend was just a huge success. It seemed like every recruit we talked to that came out of the building, you know, was either saying Florida State was near the top or at the top in their recruitment. Obviously these kids love to say great things about the school that they recently visited, but a lot of it seemed genuine. Um, You know, we, Chris and Chris has been doing this forever. I've been doing it for a few years and I feel like I've got a good grasp on when a kid's um, feeding you lip service, uh, regarding his interest in the school or whether there's actual genuine interest. And I, and I feel like there was a lot of genuine interest going around from the prospects we were talking to outside of the Moore Center throughout yeah, the week. The, there were a lot of top target at the positions type, the barometer types. You know, Parsons, obviously, they're due that quarterback. That's abundantly clear. Dalen Smothers is a major running back target for him. We didn't even talk about Dalen, talented kid from North Carolina, Hollywood. Another one, Bartow, kind of got him in the door with. He's taken multiple visits. He likes FSU a lot. They've done a very good job there. We talked about the receiver group. Hakeem Williams is a top-tier, high-level guy. Santana Fleming is somebody they've liked for a long time. Uh, Robbie Washington's another kid that kind of fits that running back or wide receiver position. He's an offensive skill guy. He's another one that came in. He came in with a couple South Florida kids, had a good time. We have an update on him. I feel great about where they are with O-line recruiting. Atkins has done a phenomenal job there. It's amazing. D-line feels very good. Positive momentum of Samson, having Lamont Green already locked up. Those are big positives, and they have a lot of names on the board who are very talented kids. Secondary, they'll be fine at secondary. They always get theirs there, and they have a lot of names on the board. I'm still trying to figure out who is what. You know, Braxton Myers, kid from Texas, is another kid that got in. He came in because he likes Marcus Woodson. I don't think he was the most talented DB on campus, but I think he's a really smart kid that could play safety and help, help set up the back part of the defense. I think FSU likes that a lot. And they're in that one. Clemson's in that one and a few other schools, and that kid's not in a huge rush. The one position I kind of left the weekend wanting more, linebacker. Yeah. I mean, they, from my count, they only had two linebackers on campus. Um, one of them got – one of the guys is not offered. And the other was Stanquan Clark. Um, Bobby Washington is the guy I was mentioning that it's not – that has not been offered by Florida State. His brother, Robbie Washington, is a receiver um, that we you know mentioned – uh, we have a full story with on those 24 seven, but Bobby doesn't have an offer yet. Um, Stanquan Clark is interested, but it doesn't sound like Florida state's really that involved with him. He mentioned Randy Shannon's been in talks with him like every week or every couple weeks. So that doesn't really sound like active recruitment. Um, 
So, you know, I'm interested to see what happens with that position. Are they going to get more kids on campus in March? That was one of the positions that I outlined in my article to begin the month of March um, about, you know, are they going to expand the linebacker board? Um, Raul Aguar told me he was going to be at Florida State on March 5th. And just a few days before the event actually happened, he let me know that he was not going to make it. So um, they didn't really have a high target linebacker on campus uh, over the weekend. And, you know, pretty much every other position was stacked besides maybe running back. There were just a few. Um, but at least, you know, at the running back position, you had a blue chip guy like Dalen Smothers, who's kind of the headline of that group. Um, I think Florida State have, needs to do a better job at the position. I mean, we talked about this at length last cycle, but FSU needs to build out this board. They need to get kids on campus. It's an important position for the future at FSU. Um, they need to stack talent because you only added one guy who I think it, it can be a really good player for you in Omar Graham last cycle. I think you need to add at least two this cycle, whether that be through the high school ranks or transfer portal. Um, you can't you can't always bank on the transfer portal. So I definitely think Florida State needs to do a better job at recruiting high school linebackers. We'll continue to monitor that. Yeah, I understand why uh, there'd be some apprehension with the linebacker board formulating right now. It's early, but what happened last year, it, it is noteworthy in a position to, to keep an eye on. But generally, a weekend that was pretty encouraging from a recruiting standpoint. Spring ball day one was a success. Chris and I will be back out there uh, as you're listening to this on Monday. It'll be later this evening. If you're listening to this on Tuesday, we were there last night. So and then we'll be back on, on the bench later in the week to kind of give you a recap of the first three practices of spring ball. Hey, fellas, before we wrap up here, this was the first recruiting weekend where we got to see FSU's amped up uh, support staff, the off-field staff with Derek Ray at general manager and some other hires kind of in uh, in action I would imagine that was helpful during the time of practice when FSU you know, was practicing and, and the coaches weren't able to host the recruits. What did you guys see in general? Anything noteworthy or different with the the uh, beefed up support staff? I saw Maddie being very involved. Uh, in fact, Wilkie Denod was one of the first guys in town, and her and Derek Ray greeted him. For example, uh, just noticed her, you know, constantly on a move, talking to kids, making sure things are going well, helping along, doing a lot of things that other people also have done. But it's just more manpower to do it, especially when you have that many kids on campus at one time. The most significant thing, and it was minor, but it stood out to me for whatever reason. It stuck with me. Derek Gray came out, I believe it was Saturday morning before the onslaught of kids, and picked up any little piece of trash in front of more around the Bowden statue. I'm not talking like there wasn't gobbles of trash, but there was maybe like a straw wrapper or, you know, a plastic fork or just small stuff that had been dropped by passersby, people going to baseball games, people going into the more students, et cetera. Cleaned it up. It was minor, but little things matter like that. And I just, I, it stood out to me, but Ray was super involved. Um, you know, I kind of wondered his role. I know he's wearing multiple different hats, making sure things are organized. I wonder how hands-on he would be. He was extremely hands-on. Chris mentioned real quick, he mentioned Maddie. Uh, that's Maddie McCormick, who's been mm -hmm. hired as a director of recruiting operations. Not officially yet. She comes over from Arizona. Uh, so, yeah, it's, that's good that you're seeing the the staff be hands-on and, and functional. And that's good sign. Thumbs up over here. Anything you want to add to that, Zach? Yeah, so Derek Ray, like like Chris mentioned, he that was something that stuck out to me as well. But he also, I believe, was um, kind of orchestrating – how each of the recruiting staffers were dressed. Um, he wanted it to be uniform. Uh, all the recruiting assistants, like the um, recruiting interns, I should say, the student mm -hmm. assistants, 
they were all dressed in the same exact uh, shirt. It was like a red shirt with climb on it. And then, you know, the, the higher up, the guys that are actually being paid, um, like Orion Barto, Kenyatta Watson, they were all in FSU polos. So, you know, they had to present themselves nicely. And I think that was a nice touch um, to kind of present the uniformity of just this staff. And, and I think Derek Ray from, from this first weekend of just observing him has been a great addition to try and, because I think there are a lot of great people in the recruiting department at Florida state, but there needed to be some kind of organization to it all. Um, there's a lot of craziness with just getting kids on campus and, you know, all that kind of, kind of stuff that, that recruiting staffers are tasked with, but Derek Ray is a good addition to what is Chris? Hello. I'm, I'm here. We can hear you. This is like, Zach, go ahead. Okay. Sorry. Um, no, but Derek Ray is a great addition towards getting that office organized and having it being, having it be uniform um, in their goal to try and help Florida state recruiting. What were you trying to do, Chris? What happened? I just like, wanted to make sure I wanted to go after Zach. I was just trying was to doing the chicken dance. Sorry. I, there was a little bit. You're right. <laughs> um, one footnote on a weekend, the former guys coming back, former NFL guys, Leroy Butler, and then a lot of guys from here in the recent stretch, Rick Leonard, Dustin Hopkins, PJ Williams, uh, Cameron Irving, Everett Brown, trying to who else I saw. Kando, uh, J-Rob, yeah, Gabe Kando Neighbors. Kando and J-Rob, Gabe Neighbors was another one. Yep. Uh, it just They seem to enjoy themselves. They got introduced at the basketball game. They were hanging out at practice. They talked to some recruits. I, I thought it was a nice touch, and obviously having a guy who's about to go in the Hall of Fame, deservedly so and overdue and butler was awesome jordan hall in fact mentioned butler because butler's from lee high school which is now called i believe riverside and Mm -hmm. the west side high school where jordan hall goes is not that far from lee so he's talking about you know two dudes from jacksonville so just thought it was a nice touch on the weekend bro that made me feel old see like pj williams looks like a like an adult pj's been in the league i believe he told me for eight years i chatted with him a bit at the moor I always like PJ and Terrence Brooks were always kind of attached together as recruits and then players for FSU and now obviously as longtime pros. So I chatted with PJ a little bit. I said hi to Everett Brown. I believe him and his wife were going by departing for the day. Talked to Cam Irving and I believe it was his wife and his little guy a little bit when they were coming off the field. Uh, I didn't see D Hop. I really wish I did. I'm a big Dustin Hopkins guy. I always like Dustin, good guy. Um, but no, it was just cool seeing those guys. You know, it, it's. Those are guys like, for example, PJ is a guy that, you know, the relationship of knowing him for me began what, 12, 13 years ago now. It's kind of nuts. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And here we are. And here we are. Did you tell him that Ocala isn't quite Jacksonville? <laughs> I did not. <laughs> so they were also at the hoops game. They were honored at yeah. halftime. That was really cool as well. Uh, Leroy Butler was the last one that was mentioned on the PA system. And it was cool to see all the guys, you know, different eras and generations, coaching staffs of Florida State football all kind of went over to, to Leroy Butler and started, you know, bowing towards him because, you know, a pro football Hall of Fame inductee coming up. So that, that was cool. That was neat to see them. Uh, let's talk about hoops real quick. FSU beats NC State in the regular season finale, 89 to 76. FSU uh, basically cruises. They, they built a double-digit lead in the second half. Uh, they never trailed the entire game. The, the lead got to nine once or twice, but, but really just uh, – Pretty easy going for Florida State. Caleb Mills had a really nice night left at the end of the game with a lower leg injury. Uh, Ham said he's probably okay. So that's the end of the regular season for FSU. What's up next for Seminole Hoops, Chris? Any any chance at the NCAA tournament? Are we, we NIT bound at this point? Wednesday at noon, Syracuse ACC tournament, 8-9 game. Winner of that gets Duke on Thursday, I think also at noon. 
Um, I think FSU would probably have to cut down the nets in Brooklyn to go dancing. Uh, I, I think I'm running even to the championship games, probably not enough, especially considering that the league just isn't that good this year. Uh, other news with, for, with hoops is that uh, Chandler Jackson signing won a state title. I believe his team went undefeated on season. Chandler was a huge reason why. Excellent player. I think he's going to be a big piece of next year's puzzle. He's going to help alleviate the loss of Raekwon Evans at point guard as far as a guy who can handle the ball and do things. Matthew Cleveland continued FSU's four-year streak now of winning six-man of the year in the league. It's turned out pretty good for the other three as they all got first-round money. It was M. Fiondu, Compagnoli, Pat Williams, of course, and then uh, Scotty Barnes in recent years have won that award. So big moment for Matt. Good for him. I don't know that we see Matt jump. We'll see. I'm not worried about that stuff right now. I'll worry about that more when things are nearing a conclusion with postseason tournament for this team. Um, The women basketball team, they won one, lost one in the ACC tournament. They have a shot of making the NCAA tournament, but they're going to have to sweat it out for about six days. ESPN's projections had them as the second or third last team in, but there's not a whole lot of bid stealing in women's hoops from what I understand, so they should have a chance of making it. Beating BC, who they did in the ACC tournament, probably traded spots with BC, where they went. FSU went from being out of the tournament to taking BC's spot, and BC may be on the wrong side of the bubble. And then baseball won two of three on the weekend in the polls. They've moved up a couple spots in most of them from like 10 to 8 or 12 to 10, for example. Uh, two of three from Cal's pretty good. Cal's Friday guy is a legitimate pitcher. FSU beat him. Excellent game on Friday night. That's how house are supposed to feel. Sundays are still a weird situation for FSU. For whatever reason, they can't get over the hump. Ross Dunn gave him a better start this week. FSU did not finish well, and they took an L on Sunday again. That's something they're going to have to get better at. They need to turn two-game victories and series into sweeps. They have one on the year, and then two, two series. They have one, but lost on Sunday. Speaking of baseball, some fun news. Uh, most people on Nose 24-7 have seen it, but on the bench has not been mentioned. Brett Nevitt will be joining us to help lead our baseball coverage and will also be helping out with, with football as well. He put up a pretty cool video the other day uh, from football practice. So we're really happy to have Brett aboard. I know Chris is excited to have some help with baseball and kind of allow him to to wear multiple hats as he's known to do. So Yeah, and Brett's awesome. He, he helped us with football on day one, did an excellent job putting together the video for us and doing some other stuff. Brett's one of those guys who's a young up and cover in this business, does a heck of a job. Reminds me of a younger Zach, even though I think he might be older than Zach. <laughs> and Zach, you go ahead and get out of here. I know you need to get to class. Thank you for joining us on the bench. Thank you, guys. No, thank you, Zach. Thank you. All right, anything else, Chris? Oh, there was contract extensions. I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> you, can go, you, you can go ahead. I'm All done. Right, so Ron Dugan's got one year, same pay. Odell Hagan's got two additional years, 50K on top of what he was making. He's at 600K now. Uh, Randy Shannon's letter of understanding for when he moved from his analyst role to co-DC linebackers coach, two years, I believe it's 600 year one, 625 year two, might be 650. I'm doing that off the top of my head. Um, Alex Atkins moved up, highest paid assistant on the staff, as he should be. Offensive coordinator is the reason he got the bump in pay. And he is now extended through, what, 25, is it? Is that where his expires, I believe? I'm not talking about. I believe he's the longest. I think it was 20. I think it was. I think it was 24, is what okay. I believe. So, yeah, I no, be nothing earth shattering with that. Sinone's in his feelings because it, no. you're, you're always in a rush when you get the contracts. And he forgot about base salary for Ron Dugan. So he thought he had taken a pay cut because he removed his base salary. He corrected it, but the internet does not forgive. Yeah. Yeah. I apologize. I screwed up. I don't like contracts. Anything else, Chris? It's why he's, it's why he's becoming the basketball reporter for the site. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We don't have to deal with contracts. So they'll have coaches coach a whole year without a contract sometimes. Hell, if you get a Leonard Hamilton <laughs> contract, good luck to you because I've been trying for years. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, we're going to get out of here. we got to go ahead to uh, to football for day two of spring practice in a little bit. Again, we'll be back on Thursday morning is the plan. So Chris and I can kind of wax poetic and get in-depth into the weeds on, on football and our observations because you can really glean a lot from three practices in one day in shells. And that's exactly what we're going to do. For Zach Blostein, Chris Nee, uh, Josh Newberg somewhere in, in the Colorado Rockies or the Alps or wherever he is, has been on the bench. I'm Brendan Sinone. We'll talk to you guys next time. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.